0: in the New Testament, as you read it, um, you will come across consistently this problem that's happening over and over again. In fact, it was a problem that just plagued the early church. We read about it all over the place. And it had to do with people who were uh, within the church who were teaching Christians things that were contrary to to the apostles teaching so as an adverse uh, uh, messages these individuals they would lead people astray they would confuse the apostles teaching they would twist up God's Word they were sowing seeds of division throughout the church and, and we read time again that there were Christians in these churches that were were throwing up their hands and they were abandoning the faith and and walking away from the church this was a problem we saw over and over again and um, in the New Testament, they had a name for people who did this. The name was false teachers. Have you heard of them before? Have you come across them in the New Testament? Because as you read the letters, it becomes clear that false teachers were a plague on the early church. It was it was a real problem, and, um, and it got really bad at times. Paul wrote this to the Christians that were spread out through Galatia, and, um, They were all coming under attack of these false teachers. So Paul wrote this in Galatians chapter 1, verse 6. It's on the screen behind me. He says this. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But if we, or an angel from heaven, should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. Again, we have already said, and so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. That's pretty strong language. Turn to your neighbor and go, that's pretty strong language. Yeah, yeah. We're talking about God's curse here. Paul's warning is really clear. Don't pervert the gospel. That's what he says. Don't twist God's word. Don't reinterpret God's word to appease people who are listening to you, convincing them of things that are inconsistent with God's word or convincing people they are safe uh, by giving them something false. It's a very direct warning that Paul has given these Christians. You twist up God's word, You're inviting God's curse to come upon you. This was a real problem in the early church. And I have a question for you this morning, for New Life Christian Church, us, to consider. Do you believe that false teachers are still a problem in the church today? Now, the reason I ask you that question is because we are in a current series, like Mario was saying, That's called drifting. And what we are doing, and what we've been doing for the last month, is we have been examining this troubling trend that we're seeing in the American church. And the trend is this, the American church seems to be drifting towards the secular, and in some respects, things of the world are finding acceptance in the church today. Now, do I mean all churches? No. Do I mean every Christian? No. But when you take a step back and you take an inventory of where the church has been going um, here in America, it becomes clear that the church and the world are coming together in ways that God's Word says they should not come together on. And so, these past few weeks we have explored what are some of the causes For this drifting, for the church and the world coming together in such ways. And the question that I have is do false teachers have anything to do, do they play any role in the church drifting towards the secular? Is there a connection between false teaching in the church and the church drifting? Well, the answer to that question, in my opinion, is a resounding yes. I do believe that false teaching is still happening within many churches and I think it would be unwise if we downplayed that or tried to ignore it, I do believe it has so much to do with the drifting of the church, the church losing its distinctiveness and looking more like the world, and, and, and how Jesus put it, losing its saltiness. So let's talk about that this morning a little bit. I think it's an important piece of this discussion about drifting. What are false teachers? Have you ever thought about it? Have you spent much time thinking about it? What is a false teacher? Well, essentially, if I can just be very simple with you, a false teacher is someone who leads others away from what is true. It's somebody who teaches or influences other people to reject or to twist up or to to deny the immutables of our faith, those things that are unchangeable, those things that are are rock-solid truth that we should never mess with, like there is one God and he created everything. Like the deity of Jesus Christ, the virgin birth, salvation, how it comes uh, by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, the death and resurrection of our Savior, a literal place called heaven and a literal place called hell, the Trinity, Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, the gospel. I could list others, but the immutables, the things that are unchanging. That's what false teachers do. They twist up and they get people to deny and reject those things that are our truth in God's word. So yes, I believe that false teachers are a problem in the church today. And I wonder this. Would you recognize a false teacher if you saw one? Would you recognize a false teacher if you heard one on the radio? Would you recognize a false teacher if they came and knocked on your door? Or if you were sitting around the table having a meal and discussing Scripture, would you know if that person was false? Now Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 7, verse 15. Um, he gave a warning to his followers, and he said this, Watch out for false prophets. So watch out. Why do we need to watch out? And he says this, They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. What is Jesus saying? He's saying this, that, That there will be those that will come in that have false messages, false agendas, false motives. They look harmless, but they are ferociously dangerous. They look the part, but they deceive. And there are a number of things that motivate false teachers today. There are some, I would say, that are adamantly working against the good news of Jesus, the gospel—they're adamantly working against the church, and they—they they do this. But those, that's not the only reason for why there would be false teaching in the church. There are some who engage in false teaching for their own personal gain. Some will try to manipulate the truth in order to get rich, or to indulge their hedonism, or their desire for power and authority, or you, you name it, or to have control over people. Many things motivate false teachers today. But what they all have in common is this. They teach something that is contrary, that is different, that is twisted up of what is the truth. And that result of that twisting and teaching is that people are led astray. Now as I was saying last week, and I want to say it again, and it's probably not the last time you're going to hear it. We as a church family, we always have to have our antennas up. We always have to have our biblical radars tuned in and screening everything that we're hearing i'll tell you this we just have to know god's word we have to be alert we have to be on guard of teaching and, and, and asking the tough questions one of those questions is is this consistent with god's word it's one of the best questions that you could ever ask about anything you ever hear is that consistent with God's word? And another great question along with that is this Does this fit what this person's telling me? Does this fit with Jesus' vision of seeking and saving the lost? We have to have our antennas up, we have to have our guard up, we have to have our radars dialed in. For example, there is a very popular teaching that is circulating in the church today. We touched on it last week. It's, it's, it's gaining momentum, especially among the millennials' generation. And it's this, that God doesn't care who you marry as long as you are faithful to that person. And it goes farther than that too. That God, what he really wants is for us to, to love, to love everybody and, and to be an expression of God's love. Now, and you can express that any way you want in a heterosexual relationship. You can express that in a homosexual relationship. It, it's, God really just cares more about loving and faithfulness, not so much who or how. That is a false teaching. It's inconsistent with God's word. And it's leading people down a path of false security. I listened to a pastor recently um, talk about how he had just finished officiating his first gay marriage ceremony. And he said this about it. He said that it was the most Christian wedding that he'd ever been a part of. What is that? That is the result of a false teaching in the church. It's the result of a reinterpretation, a twisting of God's Word in order to reach a desired outcome. There are other false teachings of the church I could list off that that I've heard and experienced. Here's a really famous one. This one false teaching, it even has its own title given to it. You've probably heard of it because it's preached on Christian television daily. It's called the health and wealth gospel or the prosperity gospel. You know, when we're giving names to false teaching now. It's really simply put in its most extreme version is that the more faith you have, then the more riches God will give you. Because deep down, God wants you to be rich. That's inconsistent with God's truth in His Word. Now, those are just two examples that I gave you. Those are the easy ones to catch. Now, but what about the many others that are so much less obvious? What about the ones that are a little less subtle and not so just blatant? Do you got your Bibles this morning? Will you turn over to, to uh, the book of 1 Timothy? And if you have access to a Bible, I'd love for you to go ahead and find that. I'll give you a moment to do so. There are Bibles in the seat pockets around you. Of course, the scripture will be on the screen behind me. But I'd love for you to have this part open on your lap. First Timothy, it's in the New Testament. It's towards the end of the New Testament. And if you have to open the table of contents and find the page number, it's not cheating. You can do that, okay? Just just, just find it any way that you can. It's perfectly fine. Just just find First Timothy. It will be great. But as you're finding it, um, let me also just encourage you sometime to read the whole letter of First Timothy. There are six chapters. It won't take you that long. We're not going to take the time to read it all this morning. But it will be of great value to you if you will read the entire letter of Timothy in one setting because it really does give us an up-close view of when a church comes under the influence of false teachers and how to get back on track. That's really what Timothy is all about. Timothy was uh, an apprentice, or he was at least a friend of the Apostle Paul. And Paul left him behind in the city of Ephesus to try to help that church get back on track. See, because the church in Ephesus during this time, they had drifted off of sound teaching. They had drifted. Their Christian practice, their behavior had drifted right along with it. And so Paul says to Timothy, "'I'm leaving you behind in Ephesus to straighten this church out.'" Get them back on sound doctrine, and get them back to practicing their Christian faith. And so Paul writes Timothy a letter. It's a personal letter, and that's what the book of 1 Timothy is, or the letter of 1 Timothy that you have in front of you. So let's read some of it together. 1 Timothy chapter 1, let's start in verse 3. It's like, Timothy, as I urged you when I went to Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus so that you may command certain people not to teach false doctrines any longer. Or to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies. Such things promote controversial speculations rather than advancing God's work, which is by faith. The goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Some have departed from these and have turned to meaningless talk. They want to be teachers of the law, but they do not know what they are talking about or what they do confidently affirm. So Paul, what he's doing here, just here's the introduction, he is uh, identifying that there is false teaching there in the church at Ephesus. Some of it has to do with what he calls myths and endless genealogies. Basically, what was happening in the church there is people were using Old Testament law and some of the genealogies that are listed through the Old Testament, and they're using those to manufacture and to make up all kinds of, of fetched, far-fetched ideas, and they were creating new doctrines out of that which were leading people astray. It wasn't so obvious. To, it, was, it was more subtle. It wasn't obvious to the Christians And it may have sounded good on the surface, but people were following this. Paul says they're they're raising questions, but they're not answering those questions. And all of it was pulling the people away from their primary mission, which was seeking and saving the lost and advancing the work of the Lord. So instead of living for God and letting the world see their good behavior and their lifestyle, they were actually um, involved in some division and hypocrisy And and a number of different problems. And so Paul tasked Timothy with the job of reining that back in. Let's get back to center. Let's get back on God's word. Let's get back to living like Christians. Look down at verse 18. Drop down just a little bit. Timothy, my son, I am giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you, so that by recalling them you may fight the battle well. Holding on to faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected, and so have suffered shipwreck with regard to their faith. Among them are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan to be taught not to blaspheme. Paul is not afraid to name names, all right? He's like, I'll tell you who's doing it. And he said, Alexander and Hymenius. They're like one of the main culprits. Now, what exactly were they doing there in the church at Ephesus? Well, he doesn't really say what it was exactly they were doing. They were causing people to, to run away and stray. But Paul will write a second letter to Timothy. It's the very next book in the Bible called 2 Timothy. And in that second letter to Timothy, um, he names Hymenius again. And this time he gets a little bit more specific. See, because Hymenius was making false claims about the resurrection. That's some serious business. What was the result of these false claims? What was the result of this false teaching? Paul says that people who are following this have what? He gives us a great mental description. They have shipwrecked their faith. Well, a shipwreck's a violent thing. A shipwreck is a sinking. It's, a, it's forward progress is lost and you're going down. He said that the result has been destructiveness throughout the church. And then finally, if you flip over another page or two, let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 6. In between chapter 1 and chapter 6, Paul talks all about what Christian behavior and practices are like. This is what people should be doing. That's why you need to go and read that sometime. But at the end, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 2, Paul says this. These are the things you are to teach and insist on. If anyone teaches otherwise and does not agree to the sound instruction of the Lord Jesus Christ and to godly teaching, they are conceited and understand Nothing. Friends, that's, that's just one book of the Bible. You may or may not know this, but also the book of Galatians, also the books of 2 Peter and First and 2 John and Jude, all in the New Testament, were letters combating false teaching within the church. And there's many other books in the Bible that deal with this same subject on some level. And, and I would say, you know what, the early church was dealing with this, and I'd say we're still dealing with it today. And this is what I think is one of the biggest challenges when it comes to this kind of stuff. Is that with all the advances of technology and the conveniences of of social media and all of those things, false teaching is all over the place? I mean, it's everywhere. It's more easily spread and accessed today than any other time in history. If you listen to the radio or you watch any TV, go online for anything, stroll through the store, even walk into a Christian bookstore, and you are going to be exposed to some level of false teaching. What I'm trying to say is you go through your normal, everyday activities, and you're going to have some exposure to that which is false. David Mathis, who's the um, executive editor of ZionGod.org. he wrote this recently, and I think he's spot on the money. He said, For most of church history, it took extraordinary energy and effort to influence the masses. Messages had to be copied by hand, and teachers had to travel by foot or horseback. There were no cars or airplanes, no printing presses, websites, or Facebook pages. But today, just about every false teacher has a Twitter account. So how do you recognize... A false teacher. Well, like I was saying last week, your best defense against false teaching is to know your Bible. That is absolutely your best defense. Simply know your Bible because the more familiar you are with God's Word, the easier it will be for you to easily recognize piles and piles of baloney. And the piles are getting bigger, it feels like. But there are other signs as well. Okay, There are other ways to, to identify um, uh, what uh, these false teachers are like. You know, when, when the police are trying to find a criminal and they're trying to put together uh, the kind of person that would commit a crime like that, they put together a profile. And they say something to the effect, all of you in law enforcement can tell me that I, I'm not detailed enough with this, but I'm being speaking generally, They create some kind of profile. The kind of individual that we're looking for matches this. But did you know that in the book of 2 Peter, he does the same thing for us. He actually kind of puts together a profile of what a false teacher looks like. This is what the kind of person fits this profile. Got your Bible still? Flip over real quick, couple pages, and find the book of 2 Peter. The the book of 2 Peter was written completely to combat false teaching. And I'm going to give you just a moment to find that. But in 2 Peter, this is one of Jesus' disciples, that Peter, he's writing to the church and saying, hey, there are some things to look for. Things are going to happen. There will be false teachers trying to come in there and mess you guys up. Watch for these things. So in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1, this will not be on the screen, so I purposely left it off so you could find it in your scriptures. He says this. But there were also false prophets among the people. In context, he's referring kind of back in the the days of the law, the Old Testament. Hey, there were false teachers in the past. And then he says, just as there will be false teachers among you. So these are the early days of the church. And he's warning the church, this is what you can expect. Here's what they'll do. Pay real close attention to this profile. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies. Even denying the sovereign Lord who, who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Many will follow their depraved conduct and will uh, bring the way of truth into disrepute, disrepute. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with fabricated stories. Their condemnation has long been hanging over them, and their destruction has not been sleeping. As I read that, I see eight points to this profile. And, and I want to briefly just go through them quickly. I don't want to spend a lot of time. But there's these eight, I think he highlights eight things for us in these three verses of what to watch for. And uh, if you were to go at some point, if you want, you know, if you don't want to write them down right now, um, you can go to newlifenwa.info and you can click on the, the card that says today's message. And everything, every scripture, every point is outlined there and it'd be easy for you to access but there's these eight characteristics, these eight parts of this profile. The first one is this. Peter seems to acknowledge that these false teachers are devious in their ways. If you look at verse 1, it says they secretly introduce heresies, destructive heresies. So there's something that's a little shady. That there, there's some shadiness about this. There's, there's enough there to make you go, mm, I don't know. So he says, watch for those kinds of things. Paul would say to the the Christians in Galatia about some false teachers that have come among them in chapter 2, verse 4. He says, they came in to spy on us. They came to spy. So there there is some some deviousness about them. The second part of this profile is this. They are perpetuating a serious error. So if you look at verse 1 again, um, Peter saying, they're going to come in here. They're going to try to get you to deny the fact that the Lord bought you. In other words, what he's saying is, is that they're going to mess with the truth of the gospel. The very fact that, uh, that our sins were paid for through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So they're perpetuating this serious error. They're, they're changing the truth. They're, they're switching out some immutables and things like that. So they're devious in their ways. They're perpetuating a serious error. He also says that the outcome of their teaching is nothing but destruction. These are destructive things they're doing. I, I, uh, when I was in seminary, uh, an elder in our church, I was preaching at a church in Illinois, and one of the elders called me, and he says, Joe, I've, i got a real problem that's just just kind of snuck up on us. I'm like, what's the matter? He goes, my son-in-law h- is following this weird teaching, and I can't seem to get through to him. And he says, can you come over and meet with him? So that night, this elder and myself, we went to his son-in-law's house, and we sat down together, and I don't have time to unpack the whole thing, but essentially, He had got connected with some guys there in the town who had convinced him that the New Testament wasn't necessary. And 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 they had convinced him that if you truly want to be righteous before God, that there were some aspects of the Old Testament that you had to follow to the T, like the dietary codes and and, and, and and the days you worship, and when he would pray, he would face only Jerusalem. And 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 there was this, it was kind of like a mixture of Judaism with a splash of Christianity minus the New Testament. It was really strange. And I, I remember I would open the Bible and I'd say, This is what it says, and he pushed my Bible away and he says, It's New Testament, I don't need and then he would open his Old Testament with selected passages, and, and 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 he would only want to talk about it from there. And it was a really challenging thing to try to 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 to, uh, to try to share with him what was proper and what was right. The most dangerous part is that these new friends that he had got him to de-emphasize the the role of Jesus when it came to God's salvation plan. So, de-emphasizing Jesus. Friends, I just want to let you know here today that uh, anyone who de-emphasizes Jesus is pointing you the wrong way. Because when you de-emphasize the role of Jesus, you are not heading down the path. We are all about emphasizing Jesus, raising Him up. Jesus is the key to our entire faith. And I wish I could say that we rescued Him that night, but He continued down this path. Peter says... It's destructive what they're doing, these false teachers. Fourth part of this profile is their destiny, of the false teachers is destruction. Verse one basically, they're, they're, they're riding their own tombstone, is what Peter says. They're, they're heading toward the eternal destruction. The popularity, this is the, the fifth part of this profile, the popularity of these false teachers is great. He says in verse 2, if you look at it, many will follow their depraved conduct. In other words, some of these false teachers are able to gather people to, to go with them down this journey. So Peter says, watch out for that. Six, their impact on the church is disastrous. It says in verse 2, they will bring the way of truth into disrepute. In other words, what that, mean, that word means is that these false teachers, they will send these false messages will ultimately cause those outside the church to have a low opinion of Christians and to laugh off the gospel and to speak evil of the church. And you want to know why do I think false teaching is still a problem? Because more so than ever a time in my life are people laughing at the solid truths of the gospel from the outside. Because they're messing with the gospel, they're messing with the truth. Seven, false teachers are motivated by greed. Peter says this in verse two, in, or verse three says, in their greed. So there is a part of this profile of false teacher that is motivated by greed. And I would say, and this is my opinion, but I would say that most modern-day false teachers are motivated by money. They are motivated by things like that. And finally, number eight, the basis of their teaching is lies. It says in verse three, in their greed, these teachers will exploit you with stories they have made up. So kind of in review, this profile takes this shape according to 2 Peter. It says that false teachers are devious in their ways. They are perpetuating a serious error. The outcome of their teaching is destruction. The destiny of these false teachers is destruction. The popularity of these false teachers can be great. Their impact on the church, disastrous. False teachers, oftentimes motivated by greed. the, The basis of this teaching is lies. I know I've thrown a lot of information at you, and that's why I just encourage you to go to our our website and pull this off so you can have it later. But the question that that I guess I want to leave you with this morning is, how are you supposed to receive this? Because this is not kind of like, this isn't really the typical kind of sermon that I preach around here. And if you're new with us today, you might be going, whew. But how are you to receive this? Or like you might say, what am I supposed to do with that? Well, I would say it like this. How to receive this? Receive it as a warning. Receive it as a warning. Shepherds have many responsibilities, and one of which is to warn the flock of potential danger. Our best defense is to know God's word. We have to have our antennas up. We have to have our biblical radars on all the time. We have to ask important questions, each and every one of us. Is this consistent with God's word? Does this line up with Jesus' mission and vision of seeking and saving the lost? So I would ask you to receive this as a warning to be prepared. Paul said this to Timothy, and I'll leave you with this this morning. Before... Before Paul set Timothy loose to help restore this church, he said this in 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 16, and I think it's very wise words for us today. He said, "Timothy, watch your life and your doctrine closely." Timothy, watch your life and your doctrine closely. Timothy, watch how you behave and watch what you believe very closely friends new life watch how you behave and watch what you believe closely